We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is what they're saying about you. Not this, true. These, are, these aren't old rumors. Not true. Whether they're old rumors, new rumors, Why would they say this rumors, about you? Not true. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you have never held anybody against their will. I don't need to. They, Why would I? Well, I'm, I'm, How stupid would it never be held for anybody. R. Kelly with all I've been through in my way, way past to hold somebody, let alone four, five, six, fifty, you said. Why, how stupid would I be to do that? How stupid would it be for me to, with my crazy past and what I've been through, oh, right now I just think I need to be a monster and hold girls against their will, chain them up in my basement, and, and don't let them eat and don't let them out unless they need some shoes down the street from their uncle. Robert, Stop it. Y'all Robert, quit playing. Quit okay. playing. Robert. I didn't do this stuff. This is not me, y'all. I'm fighting for my life. Before you guys listen to another episode of The Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash the corner podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month, you guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way, we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. 
wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Another episode of the Corner Podcast back for another great week, a special week. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. And Dre, it is the 200th episode of this here podcast. 200 episodes of greatness. You see the excitement on my face? I, I can sense it. <laughs> I, can, I can feel it through the microphone. This this is as static as you get, so I'll take this. It, it's Yo, been four years straight. Four years. I can't. That's the thing that bugs. My wife said the other day, because we were talking about the wedding, and she was just like, how long have you known Kel? I was like, well, we've been doing the podcast for four years. I was like, people have been listening to us for four years? What is wrong with you people? Why are <laughs> you still years. here? There's people who've listened to every single episode. Man, props to y'all, man. Like, for real. I, a lot of times, like I said, man, I feel like I'm just talking to nobody. You know, just me and Kel just having conversations. And for y'all to be listening and care about what we think, we I really appreciate it. 200 episodes. Y'all are nuts, but, man, I haven't listened to 200 episodes of some of my favorite. I haven't watched 200 episodes of my favorite show, so I appreciate y'all, for real. Yeah, you got to take me back to, like, The Wire and Friends for me to get into the 200 episode category. I don't even know if yeah. The Wire was 200. Nah, didn't make it to 200 episodes. Like, I'm rewatching Game of Thrones. That's like 60 episodes. 200 episodes? That's a lot. Yeah, so, man, we, we've been through it. One more year, Dre, and this podcast lasts longer than my first marriage. Hmm, that's impressive. Well, yeah, we're on it. It's much more delightful, by the way. You know what's more impressive? That you're on your second marriage. Second marriage by 30. I know you're not a, <laughs> you're not a friends guy, but I'm on a Ross pace right now. Oh God! Yeah, it's, it's, it stops here though. This is the the amazing part. Like, Good, you know. Number two, uh, props to everyone who gets it right on their first go around. I was not that person, but you know, I, I this one, this one is solid. I love it. Um, yeah, three weeks until the wedding, I'm excited. She's excited. Uh, I'm not stressing like I was the first go around. That's what's crazy about this. I get to compare it to like the first like build up to that wedding. And I'm just like, damn, how did I not know that was going to end up shitty? Well. Like, all, all the signs were there, right? All the signs. But, uh, you this, live, you learn. Yeah. This one is great. Having a great time. But, oh, and by the way, me and Elena had our first date two weeks into the podcast. So damn. that's how I can always track how long me and Elena have been together because of the podcast and ran the same time. So... I as soon as we started a podcast, episode one was when I first climbed into her messages. Then we talked online for three weeks. Then we had our first date. So the length of this podcast, it was a uh, we had a live show, Pacquiao Weekend, and I was messaging her from the MGM while we were doing our show. That's when we had um Ismail and Gail was on the show. Yeah, man. And, uh, I mean shit. I don't even know if Gail, I've still talked to Gail, but I don't know if Gail is listening, but you know, Gail is doing big things now. Oh, yo, I still follow her, say happy birthday, she says it back, um, still follow her on Facebook, Twitter, she's big things, it took off. Uh, yeah, Jamila was on the show for the GoFundMe, <laughs> <laughs> for the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, so we had her on. Yo, that, that was crazy, we were just running around, we did shows from the pool at the MGM, from the little cowboy bar. Yeah, we were we were wild with it and lawless back then. So yeah, this this podcast has been going on exactly the same length as me and Elena. So we've gone from dating 
from meeting to dating to engaged to married during the length of our podcast run. That's that's yeah, that's crazy. I mean, shit, I didn't had a baby. <laughs> God damn, she's two and a half now. It's like, well, almost two and a half. But damn, a lot of things have happened since we started this shit show. Shit done changed. So, uh, yo, I was I was just thinking about. I was twenty six years old. Episode number one, twenty six years old. Once upon a time, you didn't kill me. It's great. Twenty six, and you didn't kill me. I, I feel like as soon as I got through that first one, I was solid. Uh, but but since it is the 200th, I, I went back and I listened to episode one. I want to remind you of the wild shit we talked about. We started off with Pacquiao Mayweather weekend and trying to entice people to come out here and just lose their mind. You compared it to All-Star Weekend in Vegas. Hmm. And this, yeah. was the, this was the debut of Urban Loitering on our show. You went to yeah. a full explanation and spiel on how Mayweather brings him out. Yeah, yeah, I can remember that. I remember that. Urban loitering has become a term that should be in the urban dictionary um, because so many people have hit me and used that term. Man, is it going to be urban loitering this weekend? <laughs> Yo, yeah. I'm telling you, it's crazy. So that was the debut of that term. So we had Pacquiao made with the weekend, talked all about that. Our second segment, which is still my crown jewel, to pimp a butterfly. I came on. It started the second segment and said, Drake. To pimp a butterfly is overrated. And oh yeah, Big that's Mac was you. on, and you lost your shit. Yeah, that's when I learned you were fucking crazy. That was uh, that, <laughs> that was, was the, the first like, goddamn Mikel moment. The yo, first one. That was legitimately the moment. I was like, this is probably gonna work. <laughs> lunatic. I didn't know you were a lunatic, so I was curious because you know, I was like, you know, two like-minded guys doing the same thing doesn't really work well. So you always have to have a, a yin and a yang. You said that. Now I remember like going, he's nuts. This might work. And here we are. Yep. Four years. So, yeah, I still stand by that, that uh, the replay value is very slim. On Don't Tepimpa stop. Butterfly. stop. Oh. So we're not going to get into that because my, my credo for this 200 episodes is no goddamn Mikel moments until episode 300. Mm, so okay. I, I, I don't watch want to now. Let's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> so we're talking about Tepimpa Butterfly being overrated. Um, the next thing we talked about was the New Day gimmick being absolutely horrible. Yeah, it was. And that it would never work. And we trashed the New Day gimmick for being gospel Kirk Franklin-esque gimmick that they always stick black wrestlers with. And black wrestlers are always the short end of the stick, and we can never get anywhere. And Dre, we're damn near three weeks away from possibly seeing Kofi Kingston in this New Day gimmick wrestle for a WWE Championship. Had they even debuted at that point yet? Or they they, had, just, the they had just debuted and they had just become heels. Like, it was fresh. We were just reacting to the first time they came out with that gimmick. I'm happy I'm wrong about that. For real. I'm really happy I'm wrong about that. I'm glad whoever figured it out and gave them a little remix where they weren't this gospel group. I mean, they still have, you know, those tendencies. But, yeah, that, that one actually worked out for them. Yeah, so now Kofi is... Damn near on top of the world. He's as over as he's ever been. And at that time, we crushed that damn gimmick for a good 20 minutes. Um, we spent uh, 30 minutes. No, nah, we probably spent like another 15 minutes talking about Ronda Rousey headlining her first pay-per-view. <laughs> and how oh she God. quite possibly would be the biggest thing in the UFC history. 
and and women becoming equal because she finally headlined a pay per view and the pay per view may be doing five hundred thousand, which was astronomical to us at that point. Hmm. And talking about Chris Cyborg one day may be joining the UFC, and then all laughing at it like, ha ha ha, that'll never happen, bro. That's another one we were wrong about. <laughs> shit. Four years. A lot of shit happens in four years. We've seen Chris Cyborg run through the UFC and get knocked out in that span yeah. of time. Ronda Rousey has, is in the Hall of Fame. And we're talking about her just headlining her first pay-per-view. She's Damn. headlining Mania. We went from her first pay-per-view headline in the UFC to headlining Mania in the span of this podcast. So wait, Conor McGregor wasn't like... No, Conor wasn't even Conor. Wow. Nope. I would say maybe that summer was where the Aldo fight was supposed to happen. I think he just came off of uh, beating, what is the Russian boy? The Russian dude. The Russian Uh, dude? Yeah. Is he not Russian? Polish? I don't know. He, He whooped him in Boston. It was an easy fight. And he jumped the cage and screamed at Aldo? Well, that was, um... Oh, I don't even remember the dude's name. That is horrible. Why am I forgetting? Today? Dennis Seaver. Yeah, Dennis Seaver. He looks okay. Whatever. Yeah. Wow. So he okay. whooped up on Seaver, jumped the cage, screamed at Aldo. That was, I think, February. So it was a month before we started the show. A month yeah. and a half before we started the show. And we were about to build to this Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo fight, which wouldn't even happen. And we get Conor Mendes. Hmm. So it was before Conor McGregor became Conor McGregor, and then now the guy has fought Floyd Mayweather, has become a double champ, has been owned by Khabib. All this happened in the span of our show. Well, let's see. Our, our show has lasted longer than a lot of things. Damn near Conor's career. So we'll, we'll see. We might outlast the Conor McGregor wave. Um, and the last thing that was brought up, which I can't just, you know, I... I Something I'm reformed with, and I can say I'm proud that I've changed, is I called brunch weird. <laughs> it said brunch was only for old people. Oh, boy. Yeah. I had, I had not gotten a pedicure at that time. I said brunch was overrated only for old people. And I said something else, which now slips my mind, but was equally as crazy. And I chalked it up to you being old. I am proud to say I've gotten a pedicure. It feels amazing. And brunch is on the regular. We went to brunch out of town. Your schedule is crazy busy for WrestleMania week coming up in NYC. But you know what? I'm pretty sure we're going to sneak brunch in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to find a way. Like, <laughs> You're going to put it in the group chat and be like, yo, we're going here today. And, like, All right. and we're meeting at the brunch spot. Yeah. Like brunch is no. Brunch, I, brunch won't get away from me. Like that's one thing I will find. Yeah, NYC brunch too. Oof, I can only imagine the brunch spots they got. I'm only a little concerned because, like, I, you know, some of those, like the the new era of brunch, like some of these cats just like jumped on the brunch bandwagon, and they make it weird. Like, it's not, it's not like brunch. It's like a party, and brunch isn't really a party. Like, oh I no, that's brunch. like Atlanta brunch. Yeah, like I get what y'all trying to do. But come on, man, I just want to eat. Like, I I ain't here for the. I don't need a DJ and all this. Like, I, I know some of y'all want all that, but I don't need all that. <laughs> You're just the king of mimosas. That's all you want. <laughs> Sit the bottle here, and that's it. And quite possibly some 80s and 90s dance music, as I yeah. found out in, in Arizona, where Dre was vibing out 
to late '80s dance music that was being played in this venue. Exactly, exactly. I don't need I don't need you in your leather boots and your uh, whatever the hell you guys are wearing these. Days. Like I just I don't need all that. I just want to enjoy brunch. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you've seen the light. Yes. So I mean, that was our first episode. Now we're at episode 200. So it's great to be here. Let's get into some of the topics though, and uh, you know. Stop reminiscing for a second. Uh, R. Kelly was crying, my man. And it tore up all social media. I, it's one of the first things I can remember, which is crazy because there's very few first things nowadays, where Facebook got it at the same time as Twitter. Still to this day, Facebook's like so far behind. And I'll be like, yo, he was getting roasted on Facebook five minutes after. I mean, I don't even know what else that could be said about Robert Sylvester Kelly at this point. How do they let him in front of a camera? I like listen. I think I've told the story about you know what Torre told me about that the infamous interview. Yeah. I don't know who the people who work with him are. They are dumb. Why would you let this man speak? You're not doing your client any favors at all. No. What what good could come of it? That's what I would sit in the meeting and say. He'd be like, you know what? I want to get out there. I got out of print or out of jail. I haven't been able to tell my side of the story. I want to sit down with Gail. I'd be like, Robert, what good comes out of this? You think people are going to believe you? What are you going to say to convince people? And he would be silent, and I'd say, we're not doing it. But it seems like he has what we all, after watching the documentary and what we thought for years, is a bunch of yes men around him. Yeah, there's, there's no way. There's no way. And he looked like a clown. I felt no sympathy. I don't think any, I haven't seen not one person that sympathized with him after that interview. I have. What? Yeah, I, I have. I've seen some people that was just like, oh, see, you know, Robert's passionate. Man, I don't care. Like, it, it just feels like he's just realized that he's in too deep. Like, yeah. before he was like, man, I can, I, you know, another one? No big deal. You know, I shake these cases off left and right. But now the documentaries come out and everything else, is, and now I feel like he's feeling the heat. And, you know, now he wants to cry. Fuck R. Kelly. Yeah, that shit just... As soon as I saw that, one, I would really like for his crying face to replace the Jordan crying face. I feel like it's time for a new cycle of things. That shit had me dying. But people's just commentary on it and taking his his lines. And this is this is my family. And, oh, bringing up, like, oh, he's raising daughters. Like, I don't really care. You were sleeping with fourteen year olds. Read the transcript from the alleged video. That's just yeah, which is like, horrifying and disgusting. He you he's, know, he's gonna have one hell of a time in prison. Like you know, I've, I've said time and time again. It's like you know, I'm very careful about you know uh, convicting people on social media, but that motherfucker's guilty. And <laughs> really, there's really not much more to be said to R. Kelly. Like. We've got video. There's what? Can, how can you defend this man? There's 30, I, I 30 years of evidence there and there. Yeah, Self-incriminating. And it's, it's a trend. You know, and the one thing that R. Kelly doesn't do is deny specifics. He, like, the only, like, he denies the most ridiculous shit. Like, he'll say, um, like, wasn't me in the video. No, man, we, that's you in the video. Like, he doesn't deny, you know, marrying and dating Aaliyah. He doesn't deny these women. Like, he's blaming the parents. But it's like, yo, they, like, just because somebody I know goes, here's my 14-year-old daughter, give me 20 bucks, that makes me wrong for paying 20 bucks for your daughter. Yeah, the parents may be just as bad, but 
he doesn't deny any of this. It's fucking weird how people can still back R. Kelly when he says these crazy things. He's a lunatic. He's sick. He is. He needs to go. Yeah, like he he honestly feels like he's the victim. Which is crazy. But, you know, that's that's kind of what happens with narcissists, man. They they believe that they're the victim. They believe that they're being done wrong and all that bullshit and I can't, man. I, can't, I really can't with Robert Sylvester Kelly, man. I have to, I have to say his government every time. <laughs> a hot ass mess, man. So um, after R. Kelly continuing with the cancel culture, the Michael Jackson documentary dropped this week. Oh, yeah. For, for, I haven't watched it yet. So people are going to be like, what is my people have been asking? What is my opinion on it? But uh, me and my wife have decided we're going to watch it together because she goes to law school and I'm busy with work. So I'm like, all right, we're going to watch it together because my wife didn't want to watch it. She was just like, I'm against this. And I'm like, nope, we have to watch it. I have to watch it. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I've read all about the, the dudes. One of the dudes, which is crazy to me, is Wade, who I remember had the Wade experiment on MTV. He's also the white guy and you got served in the dance crew. Word? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. And so, so I know that, but I haven't watched the documentary, and I'll have a better opinion after I watch the documentary. But you have, so I, I don't mind. Like, give your take on this. Now. Yeah. So I watched it, and it it may not be 2019's version of being politically correct, but this isn't the R. Kelly documentary to me. Like it, it seems like there's a lot of holes in the story. Um, and really after watching it, I, I didn't feel empathy. I didn't feel sorry. Like I didn't necessarily believe these two guys. I didn't. And, and there's enough it, with R. Kelly. There's very few women coming out saying, okay, he didn't touch me as a 14 year old. You know, like I understand like media drives that and, and social media drives a lot of that noise, but there's very few people really saying, you know what? I spent nights with R. Kelly and he didn't sexually touch me. A lot of people are on that end for Michael Jackson. Like, no, everything these kids are saying is right. Like Corey uh, Haim, I believe. Um, Feldman. Yeah. Feldman is like, we did exactly what they said. Hotel rooms, everything else. Uh, Macaulay Culkin, all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but there was nothing sexual. Like, he didn't touch me. He didn't make me do these things. So it's possible that he only had maybe a select few kids that he did this with. But if he was a predator, I would think... If you have access, like a, being a kid in a candy store, should I say, and there's just kids sleeping in your bed every night, you would probably try this with more children. Um, that's just my my guess. Both of these kids, I believe, had settled in their past with him for sums of money. So it, I don't know, man. It just it didn't feel like that R. Kelly doc felt to me. And the way that they structured the documentary was very... Just very odd. It, it wasn't, uh, let me tell you how I was sexually assaulted as a child. It was, let me tell you how much fun I had and look at my family and look at my life. And it, it looked like a publicity grab for these two kids. Well, they're, you know, they're grown ass people now. But... Yeah, yeah, I mean, for a lot of footage was when they were kids and yada, yada, yada. And like their parents... And showing how their parents, I guess, towards the end, their parents' marriage all crumbled because of it. But how he took care of them and their parents and go shopping. 
and all the good things and the dancing. And then it, it turned into like, oh, he got another kid to hang out with. So then they became jealous. I'm like, you're not painting yourself in the best light. Yeah, see, so again, I haven't watched the documentary. I don't know how much of this will change my opinion. But the way I look at it with the difference between Michael Jackson and R. Kelly, and, and I know a lot of people say, well, Michael Jackson's not here to defend himself. That's true. That is one thing. That is one thing. It's a big but thing. It's it's a big thing, but it's it's just one thing. The other thing for me is there's I mean, there's an established pattern of proof with R. Kelly. There is, you know, accusations are one thing. And and I've I've said this like with Bill Cosby, if it was like two or three women, you'd be like, Yeah, maybe, I'm not sure. But then it becomes so many women that you're just like, Well, they can't all be lying, right? Mm-hmm. With R. Kelly, it's like there's so many kids, they can't all be lying. The other thing is R. Kelly told on himself. He snitched on himself from saying Aaliyah's got that vibe to seems like you're ready to age ain't nothing but a number. R. Kelly's got issues. Yeah. And everybody's essentially ratted him out. His own crew, everybody's ratted him out. Michael Jackson's a little bit different. And I'm not and I'm not gonna be the one who says he didn't do it. Because I can't. I can't say that. I can't say whether he did or he didn't do it. All I can do is look at what's placed in front of us. And with Michael Jackson, if we look at the history of Michael Jackson, you won't find anybody who says that they had sex with Michael Jackson, which is bizarre to me because for somebody to be able to keep that much of a secret about their sex life, whether they had one or not, because we know those kids weren't didn't come from his semen, right? Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> so I mean, you look at this and you start saying, well, he, so how does he go from this very childlike individual? Um, Who's acting like who never had a childhood who's basically living out his childhood as an adult because he didn't have one because Joe Jackson beat the shit out of him to coming up with these schemes to start having sex with kids. It just it seems weird to me. I'm not saying he didn't do it, but it just seems weird. It's not a pattern of like hypersexuality that R. Kelly had where you feel like he'd fuck anything that moved. Michael Jackson, you're hard pressed to say he fuck anybody. Mm-hmm. So that so when when this comes up and you're like, well, he's sexed all these kids and he's molested all these kids and what has he done i i'm even wondering like where, where did he learn it from because like if you've seen the testimonies of like jermaine and marlon like the jackson brothers was like dude he was like we'd have girls and michael would be he just didn't do that like that wasn't his life so that's the the hard part for me to believe and then you know i know like Things, settlements happen, but people also don't understand how settlements work because there's two ways this works. Sometimes you settle because you're guilty and you don't want to go to court or you settle because you don't want to deal with the ramifications of having to be accused of something. And when you're really rich, you want to make some things go away, even if they're not true, because even myself, like we've talked about before, I've been lied on and I ain't nobody to be lying on. But I've been lied on before. And it's like I've told the story about the fat girl that was in my room that saw a poster on my wall and told everybody I had sex with her. And it was up to me to disprove it. But, you know, she she had proof. She was like, I've been in his bedroom. I've seen this. And I had to disprove that. Now, imagine if you're Michael Jackson, you got to deal or any type of celebrity who has to deal with all these things like Tupac with the rape thing or Mike Tyson with the rape thing, like some Sometimes this shit just doesn't happen and you settle because you want to deal with the public eye. Yeah. So I feel like Michael Jackson, like people were also saying, well, Michael Jackson was a shrewd businessman. No, Michael Jackson purchased the Beatles catalog because he was a kid in a candy store with a bunch of money. He can get whatever he wanted. And he saw the Beatles catalog and Paul was his homie, Paul McCartney. And he was just like, Paul, I'm buying this. And Paul was like, what the fuck? 
and he bought it. You know what I'm saying? He bought it <laughs> his catalog. Did he, what did he know what to do with it after that? He didn't really care. He just wanted to buy it. But there aren't enough people, adults for that matter, from the Acon, the people of today like the Acons, the Chris Tuckers, to the Corey Feldmans, to the Macaulay Calkins, who have said that he has predatory behavior. They all of them say he's weird, but that doesn't mean you're molesting kids. No. I would say that he is weird. I believe he's weird as hell. I believe he kind of thought he was a child. Exactly. Because he didn't have a childhood. Yeah. Like, like I don't he, think Neverland was made to lure kids to have sex with him. Like, R. Kelly would make Neverland to lure little girls to have sex with him. I don't think Michael J. I think he did it for himself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, again, I watched the documentary, but I, I'm just, this whole cancel thing, because we're jumping the gun on a lot of this shit, like we did with the Jesse Smollett thing. You, you jump the gun on it way too soon, you end up looking like an ass. So, <laughs> It's, a, it's incredible how many things have happened already to kind of push him out of the consciousness, though. And yeah, out of and the mainstream. Which, and it's insane because the Jesse thing still, there are no facts in this now. It's like, it's all up in the air. They're like, well, maybe he didn't send the letter to himself. Well, maybe those Nigerian brothers, they got a check for him being a personal trainer. It's like to get, to get trained. But that's all pushed aside because we've already kind of convicted Jesse for doing this stuff. And that's, it's weird how we function because maybe the Nigerians did beat him up because they wanted more money. Like maybe, like maybe he was cruising that night. Like it's still fishy, but we've already came up with our decision on how this thing ended. And now we're kind of stuck with it. Yeah. It's bananas. And like you said, everyone has an opinion and an immediate opinion. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem. A lot of these, you know, a lot of this time and on social media and how everything plays out now. So, We'll see how this goes. Again, the man's not here to defend himself. So it's going to be this and then done. R. Kelly is going to have what should be a full trial again, right? So then yeah. shit's going to get ugly. I mean, R. Kelly's in a spot where it's like, come on, man. Like, they're going to get you. It's kind of like, and I know some people would call it like a witch hunt, but like, it's kind of like the OJ thing where it's like, they're going to, they're going to find a way to get you if, as long as you're stupid enough to keep doing dumb shit. And R. Kelly is dumb enough to keep doing dumb shit. Like, OJ was dumb enough to steal his own memorabilia. Like, you dumbass. Like, you got caught up. <laughs> so, it's the same thing with R. Kelly. It's like, another kid? Like, really? Like, R. Kelly can't kid. help himself. Another videotape. That's what I'm saying. Like, come on, man. Like, man. You know the Dave Chappelle joke where you, like, sprinkle crack around? And, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> the that, that's what R. Kelly does. It's, this is nuts, man. Why don't he relax? He, he can't help himself. He's just not as smart as people may think. Like you can say, like about Kanye forever, right? Musical no. genius, dumbass guy. Yeah, I mean R. Kelly can't read, guys. So it's like, come on, he's not that smart. Oh shit, he can't read. I forgot that came up. R. Kelly Floyd Mayweather can't read. Damn shame. Twenty nineteen. <laughs> Shout out to my grandmother from when I was like four or three, getting me hooked on phonics with the little tapes. Sorry, God, that's where I learned how to read. They don't got that anymore. People missing out. Um, all right, this actually, that's kind of our social media talk, but the next thing is in the realm of pro wrestling as we dive into combat sports and it's friends of the podcast, friends in real life, Rassle Rap, Emilio and Kaz are doing their thing. They've announced Wale Mania for New York, uh, the Thursday night of WrestleMania week, uh, crazy rundown that they're putting out on Twitter um, man, every it seems like everyone's this. So they're gonna have Samoa Joe, 
on the panel with them during their live show. Uh, who else have they announced? Leo Rush. Then Wale is obviously performing. Uh, a couple of other musical acts will be added to it. Uh, we'll get Wrestle and Flow performances. Uh, shout out to the homie Josiah who was just on a podcast a couple weeks ago. Him, He's doing big things. He was just down at Performance Center. He's everywhere now. Um, so that's amazing. And it seems like all of this is converging in, in New York and Wrestle Rap is back with Kaz coming back. So that's that's cool. But one thing that grabbed me outside of Wale Mania is their greatest entrance song March Madness bracket that they just dropped this week. And I said on Twitter, and I got to do it, we're doing bracketology, Dre. Like, <laughs> like we're on ESPN. Da-da-da, da-da-da. Wrestling bracketology for greatest wrestling songs. And I have a couple categories. So as we look it over, we both have the photos in front of us. Uh, and I haven't poured over it. I haven't you know, done prep for this. So we're just going to look it over. Who is overrated? And immediately on Twitter, and I know one, and Kat and Emilio fought me to the death over this. Ahmad Johnson gets a seventh overall rating. Yeah, Ahmed Johnson's music, nah. It seems like a knockoff Rocky music. Like, it seems like The Rock's original theme song, or not his second theme song. And it just doesn't have The Rock says, but the exact thing is kind of like The Rock's music. Yeah, kind of overrated. Yep, and I heard the demolition entrance music because I didn't remember what it sounded like, and that shit was tough for a rock song. Oh yeah, fire! So it's a and ten I mean, seed against Ahmed Johnson. I'm picking upset. I mean, there there are a few upsets here that, and then people will be looking at me like I'm crazy. But and if you guys want to see the bracket, by the way, go to Rassle Rap. Uh, it's pinned to their Twitter account. Marty Skrull being number fifteen. It's kind of wild to me. Finn Balor is 15. Yeah. Well, Marty Skrull's music slaps. Yeah. <laughs> like for, yeah. for all intents and purposes, when the villain comes out and, and the whoop, 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 whoop that, that shit is so fire. <laughs> and, and personally, and I know this sounds like blasphemy because I love Bret Hart. I like his music more than Bret Hart's. So. Oh, you're going 15-2 upset? Absolutely. Oh my god. Okay, so I have to separate the entrance from the music. Yeah. And that's what's been hard for me. Because Bret Hart's entrance, giving the goggles, and but I think you might be right. Like, Bret Hart's music didn't age too well. It's just a, a random guitar playing riffs yeah, over and over. It, it's dope. I mean, it was dope because when Bret Hart came out, like the when as soon as you heard that first chord, you knew it was Bret. And I'm not saying that. If we, this is a, this is one of those NCAA tournaments where the number two seed has just been matched with the wrong team, and <laughs> this is for me this is the wrong one. Like they're pulling Skrull, a Gonzaga or Villanova. Yeah, man. You know, like this is like Marty Skrull's music is dope, and everybody knows it, and it's probably one of the most recognizable theme songs in all of the indie scene. I, like that, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure we're talking about the right one, not the, the new shit, but. The no, one, no, the original ROH when he yeah. first came out, yeah, and I mean, it has yeah. like his face on the jumbotron and shit. Nah, this new one's like a stable one. Yeah, like I don't even count is, this as his music. Yeah, no, we can get that one out of here. But yeah, that's that's like I saw that and I immediately was like, oh, there's my upset. 
Marty's girl over Bret Hart. I love the Bret Hart chorus, but this is the wrong one to be in front of. Yeah, so I'm going to just go down. So one bracket, New Day versus New Jack. New Day gets a one seat. I don't think New Day deserves a one seat. I, I'm not, not going to lie. I feel like our boy is a little bit biased. <laughs> <laughs> so when I talk to Emilio Caz next time, I'm like, yo, fam, you, you, know, you threw Big E a softball on this one. Like, yeah. And usually the top left of a bracket is the number one overall seed. Yeah. So like, yeah, I feel I feel like I feel like they're a little off on that one. Like to be complete like to I mean, I know we're not gonna go through the the entire thing, but no. that, that particular bracket, the Wyatt family has the best music. Yeah, because what well, Tommy well, Dreamer, Sandman, Sandman was dope. Actually, because in my personal opinion, it should be the Sandman and the Wyatt family. Because when Sandman came out in ECW like within a Sandman, like Jesus Christ. But like, that's a real song, so I gotta like deduct that. I mean, it's hard because it's a real song, but dude's name was Sandman, and <laughs> when you heard that Metallica, I mean, come on, it's Metallica. Yeah, but that's like saying fucking Mario R- Rivera has the best entrance song in all of MLB history. It's like yes, it's because it's fucking Metallica and there's Sandman. Uh, hey, if they that's put the him case, there. I did. That's true, but if that's the case, we put Grado somewhere on here, and he's running through. I mean, I mean, it's the same thing with Rob Van Dam when he came out to Pantera. Like, ECW is a tough one because a lot of ECW acts used real songs. Yeah. Like, the, 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 the gangsters, New Jack, they came out to Natural Born Killers, Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. And, that shit, and if anybody remembers, like, you can't watch it on the network because they've taken away all these songs. But when the gangsters wrestled in ECW and Natural Born Killers came on, it played through the entire fucking match. They <laughs> the song. The song would start when they made their entrance, and they kick ass while Natural Born Killers was playing. And they leave, and the song would still play. It never stopped. Squash matches. Don't even stop the music. No, it, it would be. It would be a. It didn't matter who they were wrestling. And they just play Natural Born Killers through the entire match. It was That's insane. <laughs> like I, 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 I have all the old ECW DVDs, and it, like. Burn bootleg tape trade, and I have them all. And I had to go back because I was like, man. And I was like, they did. They just played the song, and it just never stopped. It would be on an endless loop, no lyrics, just do 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 do. Like it would just played a whole shit, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Nobody's ever had no shit like that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now in the first bracket, and let's again, we don't gotta go through all of them, but I would probably put the finals of the first bracket. As the Brood, which is a fourth seed, mm, Brood, yeah, versus Brood. the Wyatt family, and the Brood might take that whole fucking thing. Brood's music is hard, but I, I have to go with the Wyatt family. Like I just the Wyatt family, and it feels See, like I feel like I'm really modern like, with my pick. Yeah, like Fireflies and all that stuff, not included though. No, take it away. I mean, that's yeah, two. That's a two versus four seed. That's one hell of a bracket. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. New Day, New Day. Yeah, I mean. A little overrated. Yeah, and then let's see in the bottom half, RVD got the one seed, which again, I think the Pantera music was better. better but yeah, um, HBK has the fifth on this. HBK is sweeping his side of the back bracket. Like mm-hmm. he, I, I don't even care. I listen. I still listen to that song, and he's going up against Nation of Domination in the second round, which is so dope. But nope, he's getting out of here. So HBK goes to the final semis in his, and man, RVD Pantera, like you mentioned, RVD has the one and the two seat in this side yeah. of the bracket. 
RVD I'm, Pantera versus HBK, I gotta give it to HBK. Um, see, HBK's was so memorable. Yeah. Uh, Shane O'Mac with a fourteen against Janela at three is a is an upset pick too. I mean, Ultimate Warrior at thirteen though, like. Let's keep it funky. When Ultimate Warriors music played, the roof came off the building. Yeah, but I feel like that's more because of the entrance, and you knew he was about to run like a wild man down to the ring. Yo, that idiot used to run from anywhere. Like, Ultimate <laughs> Warriors, if they, if they wrestled in the stadium, he would run, like, the entire mile and be gassed and blown up by the time he got to the ring. But, ah, man, I mean, I'm picking RVD Pantera, his ECW entrance, to win this as well. But I think... Like, that Ultimate Warrior Nation of Domination challenge, that, that bracket is really tough. Yeah, um, Nation of Domination is, once that shit hit, that shit was slapping for yeah. music back in the day. That, that was dope. Um, top right, Stone Cold gets the one seed, of course. Uh, the mismatch, though, which, which is weird, Taker gets a nine in the Stone Cold bracket. Hollywood Hogan gets the five. NWO the four. Like, this is too stacked. Knock gets the six. Which, See, oh, this is a, rough, this is man. almost an unfair bracket because even Alistair Black's music shouldn't be a sixteen. No, I mean Jericho I gets like, the two, Triple H gets the seven. Uh, that's the two thousand entrance. As long as it's not the King of Kings entrance, because the King of King entrance is one of the hardest entrances. I love like, that two thousand entrance. Eh, I mean it's in a tough bracket. So like looking at this, because Hollywood Hogan came out to Jimi Hendrix's Voodoo Child. Yeah, and Hogan, Hogan got to go. Out, yeah, Hogan has to go through. Even like, over Stone Cold. Man, with a choppy down with the back of my hand and Hogan with the play. The, I mean, I know we're not doing the entire entrance, but just that music, I mean, it's hard. But regardless, Austin takes it. doesn't matter. It, does, it really? doesn't really matter. I might go Hollywood Hogan versus Jericho with Hogan winning. Austin, no, Austin's so iconic, though. Yeah, like Austin, that glass break. The glass break. You know? Yeah. And then just the, the guitars. I mean, it would be a bit of a bad Yeah, no, Stone Cold got to go. Stone Cold goes to the finals of his bracket. Jericho is a, is a nice semifinal matchup, though. Yeah, I mean, Jericho, I figure, yeah, he probably gets through this bracket. The break the walls down? Yeah, like Nakamura and Jericho go. Because Nakamura yeah. is so fucking dope. It might be the best NXT one so far. Yeah, like Nakamura and Jericho with Jericho probably winning. So this is the only bracket I probably see a one and a two seed. Um, although, like, if Hogan was a two seed, then it would have been Hogan against Stone Cold. But Stone Cold still wins that bracket to me. And then Triple H, King of Kings, get the one seed against Adam Cole. Yeah. Uh, but Taz's is right there. The Rougeau brothers, I don't even know what their entrance was. It was cool. I mean, I'm not going to hum it to you, but... Yeah, no, I, I'll look at <laughs> uh, Oscar, Million Dollar Man, have a 12-5 matchup, which in normal brackets in NCAA tournament, there's always a 12-5 upset. Million Dollar Man would be my upset, 12-5 over Oscar. Uh, the Rock's heel theme is here. Shit, Lesnar's on... I don't know why Lesnar's on. Sasha Banks gets to 10. So my question on this Rock heel thing, and I'm actually going to have to text Kaz about this, is this the Rock's heel theme when he was heel with when he became corporate, corporate rock? rock? Or is this Hollywood Rock? Because Hollywood Rock's theme music was hard with the spotlight and the helicopter. Yeah, I thought it was Hollywood Rock. Yeah, if it's Hollywood Rock, then Hollywood Rock kind of goes far here. Because, yeah, he gets by Naito. Um, I actually picked Oscar to be Million Dollar Man. He gets by Oscar. 
Um, and he goes head to head with Triple H with the King of Kings because that bow down to the King entrance is still pretty damn hard. Um, and, and like I said, this is a weird bracket to me, man, because like Skrull beats Bret Hart, Skrull versus Rick Rude, and I love Rick Rude's entrance. I mean, it was really that Playboy shit with the robe, <laughs> but Marty Skrull gets past him too. Like this is my what 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 fourteen C went to the damn final four a few years ago. Oh shit, it was like uh, not Wichita State. Because Wichita State, I think their first year they made it to like the final four and pretty deep. And then they were ranked high. But it was uh it started with like a G. That shit was crazy. And then yeah, when Shaka Smart took VCU all the way. Yeah, so yeah, Marty Skrill's my Shaka Smart right now. Like Marty Skrill, <laughs> Marty Skrill might win this bracket. I Yo, like over the King of Kings? Yes. Oh, Taz is on here too, though. I know, but I don't care. Like that's like, like I love Skrill's Skrill. like, yeah, Skrill's music was dope. Like if if Skrull was in WWE with this music, like, come on. I don't oh. even know if he'd be, it wouldn't be a 15. That's for goddamn sure. No, instant. No, he would have been definitely like a top five if he was in WWE with that. Um, yeah, man. So we can see the bracket. We'll go through it towards the end when they get down and they whittle everything away and we'll re- recap what they did and see where they went wrong and right. To me, there's a couple of omissions. And they explained that next year they'll probably try to do another one. With songs or maybe full entrances, but uh, DX is left off. Yeah, but there's a ton crazy. of yeah, there's a ton of members like represented. But I think DX is so strong of a song that it would have just wiped everything clean. It's it's Duke with a healthy Zion. Uh, it's competitive. Um, I don't think he just runs through everything, but it is one of the most iconic. Yeah. Interests of all time. Like Bobby Roode, glorious. Yeah, that should have absolutely been on here. What a fuck it went through. Ah, if they would have put that as an eight seed or nine seed, we would have saw some update. That might have taken the whole RVD bracket. Yeah, the glorious interest is one of the best interests. Yeah, so. and, and songs. So now there's a couple yeah. joints on there. So that was our bracketology, though. I was hyped all week to do bracketology and bring that in. Let's talk uh, some wrestling that's actually happening. New Japan, New Japan Cup starts this week. And it's usually a 16-man bracket. Some reason, they just woke up and was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do 32. And the winner has to actually, I'm assuming, main event this New York card. So we got to get through two weeks of matches before we even announce the main event for this New York card. Yeah, and they're burning through the first round in like the first four days. Um, But yeah, it's this is a fully loaded bracket with thirty-two people. But if you really look at the bracket, it's only like four guys who can win. Like if you really look at this bracket, two of them face each other in the first round. Exactly, Obushi and Naito face each other in the first round, which I believe is Saturday night. Um, And then you look at the rest of it. And you would say, okay, Okada, or, and then you say, the only other person would be, I mean, Osprey already had his shot, and I haven't watched that match yet. But uh, it seems like Okada, Osprey, Naito, or Ibushi. And, and I, I, I'm pretty sure Kota Ibushi is going to win this shit. I can't see him not winning this. I could see Kota Ibushi versus Jay White would be pretty big, unless it's Okada in a rematch with Jay White at the G1. At the Supercard. Ooh, but, that wouldn't be bad. But you look at the rest of this, and you're like, Goto, no. Uh, Makabe, no. Cabana, no. Sonata, Suzuki, Dave Boy Smith Jr., Yano, Kojima. No, no, no. no. Maybe Tanahashi? <laughs> Maybe Tanahashi? Again? No. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like they're booking this show. And I haven't 
ran my um, New Japan interview yet, which I'm actually going to be publishing that next week. But they, they, they kind of feel like they want to make it a fresh matchup for the States. So you already got an American, well, not American, an English speaker, a Gaijin and Jay White. So it feels like an Ibushi, Tanahashi, or Okada would have to be the other guy to win. It feels like it's so early to cool off Ibushi, though. Like in a title match, like I don't want to see him lose a title match yet. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, Osprey has his own belt. Osprey can lose a title match, go back and be a champion. I mean, you might be right, but it's weird because with Omega leaving, it feels like that's the reason why they got it on Jay White. And but yeah, I mean, if you go by New Japan logic, it would make zero sense for them to take the title off of Jay White so soon. So why burn it on Kota Ibushi? So that, that makes sense. Instead, you can make Jay White look even better by facing Okada. Or you could do something weird and have like Okada and Tanahashi go battle to a draw in the final and have it a triple threat. That's true. But they don't do many triple threats. They don't. They really don't. But in the States, we love our triple threats we do. and all that shit. So <laughs> it's true. very possible they go that route. Because um, that, that, that card's still coming to form. I mean, you still got the ROH guys involved. So um, right now, I'm going to say Okada wins. Right now. But I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, mad at that. Like, I, I, after, you're, after you said your logic, because I'd like to see Ibushi versus Jay White. I feel like that's a bigger draw. But they've already kind of sold their tickets, so it doesn't really fucking matter who's wrestling. Yeah, that seems like a, a Wrestle Kingdom match to me. It doesn't. Like, Ibushi versus, like, anybody else. I don't think Ibushi and Jay White is necessarily a Wrestle Kingdom match. I feel like Ibushi's in the Kevin Owens, um, Chris Jericho, like he's he's in like this weird like you're the champion, but you're not going to be the guy we're going to hitch our wagon to for Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> like he's just the guy that brings the belt through like the tough summer months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I feel. I mean, I could be completely wrong. I'm not saying Jay White's bad. It just doesn't. I don't know. It's so yeah. rushed. No, I feel like Jay White has to hold the belt for a year because that's how they do most of their champions this year excluded. I mean, this could honestly be the well Wrestle Kingdom could be the year of Naito. Finally, getting his hands on that title. I would like to say it's so weird with Naito because it's that would technically be a heel heel matchup, but the man is so over, super over. So I I don't know if I can classify that as heel heel with him versus Jay White. No, I mean it's it's like your two hottest factions. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. So uh, we'll see how that builds. We see how this tournament goes and see who we get in New York City because we'll both be. At that event, and if you guys look on StubHub, you're still looking for tickets. There's like 3,000 tickets filled. So there's no reason to miss New Japan Mania Weekend if you're going to be out there. And me and Dre will be there, so hit us up. Uh, Dre probably with more access and, and fancier seats than me. Maybe. So, me, this guy. So <laughs> so modest. Uh, then let's talk about WWE. Uh, Ronda goes heel. Kind of? No, she went heel. That was heel. To, to was, me, I think it's heel. I was watching it with uh, Big Mac, Ryan McKinnell, and Danny Acosta, and they weren't as sure as me. I was like, no, nah, man. She went heel. Yeah, I mean, the, she went off on the crowd. When you go off on the crowd, you're a heel. True. Like, when you say, I'm no longer pandering to you people, and yeah, you're a heel now. Um, I, this is where they could, they, it felt like they should have been here at Mania, after Mania, maybe. Yeah. But to be there a month before Mania is kind of weird. I feel like the crowd forced them to pull the trigger. 
And uh, yeah. they booed Ronda for quite a few weeks, and they were just like, Yo, what are we protecting? Honestly, it's what they we all asked them to do with Roman Reigns, right? Yeah. Like, after the boos kept coming, I was like, why are you still forcing it? They just pulled the trigger quick on this. Like, yo, we're not going to force it. Becky's obviously the baby face, and we worked so hard to build Becky. You know what? Let's not just leave Ronda here middling, cutting, you know, promos that aren't going to go over. They tried for two weeks to have Ronda stand side by side with Becky, save Becky, those two against Charlotte's character, and no one bought that shit. No, nah, man. It just it wasn't working. It, it feels like, it, it really feels like the WWE is truly booking on the fly with this WrestleMania. Oh, the yeah. stuff. This, I, I still feel like there's a chance that we get Becky versus Ronda one-on-one at WrestleMania. Like, I feel like there's a... With Ronda turning heel, now you have a legit face versus heel dynamic. So they may be switching. But Everybody then think, what for Charlotte? I mean, she can always go back to Asuka. Because Asuka really has nobody. No. Uh, no, I guess not. I mean... I think they're going to try to shoehorn maybe like Mandy Rose again or Lacey Evans. Or, no. Like Lacey Evans hasn't fucking wrestled yet. It's like, <laughs> she comes out in waves. Yeah, she comes out in waves and leaves. But, it's like, but, it, but it feels like they're still trying to figure this out. Like the Ronda Hill turn felt like it was something they booked last week, like the last minute. And I think they're looking at – and this, this is why I hate Fastlane. It's a needless pay-per-view. It's dumb. Yeah, because they had to kind of like give enough storylines to Fastlane, but it takes away their booking for Mania. Yeah, it's like it just kind of gets in the way. And this whole, you know, Ronda beating up Becky, like that was like an angle that you could have ran like a week before WrestleMania. Yeah. Right. But now you're you're like four weeks before WrestleMania. And so you still got four weeks story to tell. So I'm not mad at Ronda going heel because it feels like we should have got there anyway. It just feels like the timing was forced and you were back in the corner. And you're right. Why didn't they do this shit with Roman? Like, you heard the same shit with Roman. They just didn't do it. Never pulled the trigger. But now they're pulling the trigger. A lot of people online that I saw had a problem with, at Fastlane, which you have a problem with Fastlane in general, the concept of it, of two SmackDown women's wrestlers initially going and battling for a Raw title at Fastlane. I mean, let's, let's take it a step further because I keep saying this. Becky won the Royal Rumble. What are we doing? <laughs> She's not in danger of losing anything. Like, it, this is dumb. She won the Royal... Like, what is the purpose of having the Royal Rumble if we gotta go through all this shit just to put her in the match she's already gonna be in? We all know she's gonna be in the main event at WrestleMania. This is, there is no secret here. She won the Royal Rumble. If she didn't win the Royal Rumble, this story would make a little bit more sense because you'd be like, oh, we got to find a way to get Becky into the, the main event at WrestleMania. So Charlotte has to win this to justify her spot in the triple threat and Becky say, I still have the Royal Rumble trump card. I, I don't know what they're doing. I'm just saying like, we should, we should never be here in the first place because Becky won the Royal Rumble. And the one thing that they never said, which could have worked in their advantage if they said, well, Becky, you weren't supposed to be in the Royal Rumble. This is why your spot's up in the air. But they never said it. That's the one out that they had that they could have used, but they never used it. Yeah, it could have been so easy. Common sense could prevail. Um, that was kind of raw, the one thing I want to touch on, because we'll preview Fastlane, whatever. Uh, Samoa Joe, though, became new WWE US champion on I SmackDown. Marked out. I, marked out. I, I lost my shit. Because I, I couldn't believe it. It was a good match. I thought our troops was going to find a way to do another roll-up, stupid pin, something. And when Samoa Joe got the legit pin on Almas, who had a great match, I was like, fuck, Samoa Joe is the champion. And then that backstage promo was just 
It was Joe. I mean, come on, guys. I say we can like Joe is like my favorite wrestler. I think this guy's an excellent talent, but he when you need somebody to to draw heat, when you need somebody that's gonna give you a great program, it's Joe. The man can cut an amazing promo and give you a fantastic match. He moves with the swiftness of a cruiserweight, but he's a size he's a guy who could believably beat a Brock Lesnar. He's a total package. They just have been misused. I wouldn't even say they misused him. They couldn't figure out where to put him because he's too loaded with talent. But the U.S. champion, totally fine with this. Totally fine with this. As long as he doesn't drop it immediately at WrestleMania, I'm totally fine with this. Yeah, I think he's going to give it some, some grit and some meaning. Yeah. Like, fuck the open challenge. This is the kick-ass challenge. Like, Joe is a guy. He's one of the few guys on the roster that you look at and you'd be like, yeah, he could probably kick everybody's ass. Oh. Legit. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean... And now the problem is, and what we mention on SmackDown all the time, even though Superstar Shakeup is coming, there's not enough baby faces. No, nah, man, that's, and that's exactly why you have the Superstar Shakeup. Like that, the whole thing. I mean, I'm not going to say it. I'm a broken record. It's, we've we've been there a billion times. They, there's too much talent, and it's weird because you're loaded on one side with baby faces. You're not on the other side. Yeah, and. I, I, dark. I still don't know what we're doing for WrestleMania. I know I'm be tired as hell by the time WrestleMania comes around. But yeah, I'm here for it. You know, showcases. I, I feel more. like the the puzzle pieces are coming together for that though. Yeah, I mean, I, of course they have to. The Hardys are a tag team again. Don't have to fit them into this mold, right? Right. And then you look at Kevin Owens main event picture. Some way, some shape, or form. Whether that's a triple threat or you know he just lost to Brian, he's in that program. So either he does commentary on Mania and just wrecks whoever wins. Like if Kofi wins and Owens just goes in there, pop up, power bombs him, and it continues the storyline after that, that's cool. Um, but Owens is kind of in that triumvirate now. Don't have to shoehorn him in here. And it looks like Randy Orton versus AJ Styles is going to be a match. God, I hate that match. Yeah, but some people consider it a dream match, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean... Randy Orton's, uh, you know, saying that's why it took you 15 years to get here was great. That was great. Yeah. Asshole Randy Orton still works. It could could give us, like, feel... One, they don't put enough time into it, but maybe they're they're still going to ramp it up here. But in the ring, I just don't know if Randy wants to bring it. Him versus Mysterio was a good match. I think think AJ will bring it out of him. I think him and Orton will will find a way to have a good match. It's just... Randy's been so inconsistent. Like he'll have like right now while we're doing the show, I'm sitting, I'm watching WrestleMania 21 when Randy Orton faced the Undertaker in Hollywood. And that's the first WrestleMania I ever went to, and it was such a great match. And then I was watching Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt from a couple of years ago, and that was fucking horrible. Shit. <laughs> and then then you go to Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins before Seth cashed in, so and that good. was a great match. Yeah. So you never know what bad you're getting with Randy Orton. AJ Styles is too good to waste on somebody to waste on somebody who you don't know. If I just want him to care. Player, yeah, if he cares, I mean, who knows what Randy Orton's thinking these days? I don't know. Three weeks ago, or three weeks ago, a month ago, it was him versus Mustafa Ali. And that was great. Great match on SmackDown. I was like, why, why just can't you just do this? How hard is that? You're already getting paid like top five in the company. Show up and do this. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so I, I don't know, but that looks like that's going to be a program. So if we're still going with the six-man ladder match theme for the belt, which I think Joe can still win, we obviously have R-Truth, uh, Rey Mysterio, 
Cien Almas, Joe, that gives us four and two extra spots, right? I, I think we see Joe's next contender and, and a huge surprise with, I think they bring back Sami Zayn. Ooh. As that baby face to really go against Joe in the ladder match, Joe pulls it out, but then we get a Sami Zayn Joe program. Yeah, book it too far ahead for me because I don't even know if Sami Zayn like and Kevin Owens will be on the same show again. Like I don't know what the hell's going on. No, I just think I don't think they're you know tied to each other in any way. I just think he's the baby face needed for SmackDown baby. for a second and to give Joe that that good uh, first feud right there. And maybe we build Sammy up to go with Joe all summer and Sammy takes the belt. Well, let's just see, make sure Joe keeps the title for the next three weeks because you, you never know. You, you honestly don't. <laughs> no one knows until the night of. Um, fast lane, real quick, just making predictions or just talking about some of the matches. Fuck predictions because I don't care enough about the card to make predictions. Um, we're just going to go down real quick. Usos versus Miz and Shane. I mean, this, this is just to set up Miz and Shane's split, yeah. right, for a match? Yep, so the Usos win. Miz turns on Shane. Yep. Uh, if, it ain't, if it ain't that night, it's the following Tuesday. Whatever. They have to hurry up and get here. Uh, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens loses. Maybe this goes into a triple threat still, though? Possible. Um, Boston Hug Connection versus Nia and Tamina. Boston Hug. Boston Hug. Damn near a pre-show match. Oscar versus Mandy Rose. Oscar. Oscar, but I like this. Mandy Rose can actually wrestle. Yeah, but I'd be I'd be sick to my stomach if she took the title off Oscar. You never know. It's Vince. I know. Um, the Shield. Shield. We didn't even touch on the Shield is back. I mean, yeah. If if this is Ambrose's true last hurrah and he's leaving, even though I think we're all getting worked. If it's his last hurrah and he's really leaving, why not? I think it's the last around he's leaving. I think just because this, you know, the Shield is reformed for this one match, I don't think this changes how Ambrose feels about his position in the company. No, that's true. Because, I mean, look, Roman comes back, and I, honestly, it kind of pushes you down the card. It doesn't make your position any better. At all. Because Seth, in my opinion, is going to be champion. Yeah. So Leaving it Mania, Roman is Roman, and then Ambrose is now second fiddle Ambrose again. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, it's tough, but this is this is a good last spotlight. Like, oh, yeah, is it, it the last time we see the Shield? Yeah, and I think so. And I think the Shield, obviously, they're going to beat these fools. Yeah. So, and there we go. obviously, Lesnar wasn't showing up. So Seth needed something to do, right? Exactly. Why not? Um, and then Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. Um, singles mm-hmm. math: If Lynch wins, she'll be added into the main event. Becky's winning. Yeah, Becky's one. Even though she should be in there anyway, like you explained. Um, match of night, Revival versus Alistair Back and Ricochet versus Gable and Bobby Roode. The Revival retains. I think so, too. Chad Gable. Oh, Bobby Roode turns on Chad Gable. This is one of our pre-show matches at Mania. <laughs> you know what? I don't want that to happen here. You know why? Because nobody gives a fuck. Because if Roode turns on Gable... Heel Roode. People will kind of give nah, a fuck about Heel Roode. Yeah. Like, here's why. Because Rude turning on Gable now, with two weeks to go before Mania, means that's another match that takes a match away from everybody else on this loaded roster. I don't care enough about that feud for it to matter. So, no. I don't think they should turn on each other. Save it for another pay-per-view. Okay. Save it for... Raw Mania or something? Yeah. Some, I, I don't want a Gable and Rude match, because that match doesn't intrigue me at all. So, I don't want that to be a match at WrestleMania. Save it for, like, Backlash. 
All right. Not mad at that. I just think it's, it's something is, that is coming. Uh, Mysterio versus Andrade, which is pre-show. I want Andrade to win. I don't think he will, but I no, want him. He's been whooping Rey Mysterio's ass. Yeah, so I think Mysterio will win. Yeah, Mysterio will win this, but I love it being on the pre-show because that means they're going to get like 20 minutes. I kind of yeah. like matches being on pre-show now because you don't have to you know, worry about the context of, okay, who's running long, what time. They just let you go because if anything, they cut the preview talking pieces short. True. So I, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, man, that's pretty much wrestling. Oh, Tommaso Ciampa, neck injury. Damn, man. NXT has to rewrite everything. Yeah, I mean, they, I guess they're getting ready to record some new shows, so they have to figure this out because... Yeah. They only got two weeks. Talk about two weeks. They only got two weeks to figure out who Velveteen Dream is facing because it seems like they put Adam Cole and somewhat... Uh, Matt Riddle in with him. Maybe they were playing like a triple threat, like great match. And maybe they were going to go Gargano Ciampa. They were going Gargano Ciampa. Um, to kill off that feud. Yep. And that, explain that why was... they're back together. And now that's out the window. Yeah. Like, I haven't read the spoilers, but I did come across something reading about Ciampa. Is that Ciampa Gargano was a plan for TakeOver. So they got to change that whole shit. Because yes. now Ciampa's got to drop the title. Yeah. So now the t- title's going to be vacant. Now what do you do? So um, now one of those guys who are chasing Dream have to move up. Hopefully it's Adam Cole. And do you go, you know, Cole versus Gargano? Um, that's probably the best way to play it, in my opinion. Just go Cole, Gargano, and figure that shit out. And maybe Cole work an angle where, like, Cole and Undisputed Era fuck up Gargano. Or, uh, or they fuck up Champa and Gargano has to avenge his friend. You have two weeks. That's the challenge. It's you quick. Have, you got to do something you have, quick. You have two weeks. And whatever was already taped, I figure, is exactly what was going to lead us to Champa versus Gargano. Yeah. Which would be Alice, uh, Gargano probably uh, getting turned on by Champa. So with two weeks ago, I think the only real route you can go is, I mean, there's several, but Forget the storyline. You could just go with the straight tournament format. You're, you're kind of stuck because... But in two weeks, that's a quick tournament. You got two rounds. I'm, I'm talking about WrestleMania 4 style tournament. Yeah, you can't even do that because NXT TakeOvers aren't that long. Yeah. So... And yeah, then you, you have a legit feud between Keith Lee and Dijak, which will both probably have their first TakeOver matches. You need a tag team title match. Um, I, the I ladies get a title match, and then I, that's I, it. this Dusty Rose classic after the Undisputed Era lost, I was like, "Wait, what? Like, we're, <laughs> I don't know who's wrestling the War Raiders, and I kind of don't care." Ricochet this, and Aleister Black, I think. That's weird, man. You've been having them on the main. Are they going to be on both shows? No, I don't I, think that. I don't think they are on Mania. So if you look at it, Ricochet and um, Black have been just killing people on the main roster as a tag team. You're like, why? Because they're in the classic, and I think they're going to go to the finals and win. And then you look at um, Gargano and Ciampa would have headlined NXT TakeOver. None of the four would have been Armenian. But that is so fucking stupid. Like, why do we put them on the main roster to begin with if if none of them were going to be on the main roster? Uh, Yeah, that's a good fucking question. But that's (laughs) that's what it seemed like it was shaping up for, right? It just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if... If 
First of all, I don't even understand why Black and, and Ricochet are a tag team. It makes no sense. It just was like, yeah, let's put these two singles guys together because that's what Vince does. Yeah. He just puts two singles guys together, makes them a tag team instead of just going with true tag team. But then you put them on Raw, you're having them compete for a title, then you send them back to SmackDown to win, I mean, to SmackDown, to NXT to win those titles, and that, that means they won't be on Raw or SmackDown because they'll be the NXT champions. That's dumb. Yeah, it's, it's not great, but I feel like that's the, the way it was going. So we'll see what happens with NXT, though. But I think they're, they're going to win that tournament. And then the War Raiders will beat them. Which is and, even dumber. But Yeah, I mean, I'm not a biggest fan of like the Forgotten Sons. Or anything. Uh, it doesn't seem like the Street Profits are getting much of a push. So, I mean, it's like, who else is there for the War Raiders to beat? So, I'm not, eh. I'm like, yeah. Like Mountain? Nah. They're, I know, right? They're like, like they're a UK tag team, damn near. They look, got their own brand and own belts to chase now. Look, the only thing I care about is Walter versus Pete Dunne right now. That's it. It's the only thing I care oh, about. Oh, yeah, we also got to throw that on there. That's going to be one hell of a match. I'm looking forward to that. So that's going to be great. Um, no break today because it's 200th episode. We're just speeding right through shit. Uh, boxing, real quick, because not much talk about boxing. But Deontay Wilder gets an opponent. And it looks like his fight is shaving up for mid-May in New York. Yeah. Should probably take your ass back to New York. Might as no. well just rent a place there for a month. I'm not going back. to if, if he fights Dominic Brazil at Barclays on May 18th, which seems like the route they're going to go, I'm not flying out for that shit. Nah, it's my birthday. I'm going to be somewhere in wine country like you. Yeah, do that. Like I need, I, I need to take the jet up there, you know. Yeah, that's, that's, the only, that's a tough spot that they've put Deontay in. And Brazil, like, like I said last week, Brazil's a guy who is good, but he's been knocked out by Anthony Joshua. So Wilder has to do better than Joshua. That's all. Yeah, he's chasing the ghosts. I hate those fights. Where you're just chasing the ghost of your opponent, and you got to do better than them, and it's comparisons. It, we'll see what it leads to. Wilder needs a big fight in November, some way, somehow. Well, we'll Fury see. rematch, Joshua, some, something's got to give for him going into next fall. Um, and then we have Sean Porter fighting this week. Yeah, Sean Porter versus Ugas. It's a Ugas. fight that people don't give a shit about. No, first title um, defense, though, right? Yeah, it's a tough fight. Ugas is very he's a very tough fighter, but most people think Sean Porter's gonna win. Again, Porter's another guy. He's kinda he's kinda like in no man's land. Like he's tough. Nobody really wants to fight him. And you you say, well, the following week is Spencer Garcia, which I'll be in Dallas for, but will the winner of that fight fight Sean Porter next? I don't know. I mean, if Spence wants to start belt collecting. If he should. I mean, I think he should. But uh, you know. I don't know. Sean's in, he's in a tough spot. Like most people expect him to be Ugas, and I, like nobody really cares about this fight. If they moved it from T-Mobile in Vegas. They moved to the uh, the place formerly known as StubHub in, in California. Yeah, what the hell is with that? I don't know. I was looking forward to see Sean fight here, so it's like whatever. Moved it to SlugHub. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Bivol versus Smith Jr. Is that on the zone? Yes, that is a the zone fight, and that that should be a pretty good fight. But Bivol should win. Yeah. Really, yeah. We spoke to Bivol the other day, and Dimitri Bivol said, I want Canelo. I want Jacobs. Like, he wants the big fight. So, look good this weekend, and maybe you'll be in line. I don't see why not. Right? Like, Canelo, Jacobs, unless Jacob wins and Canelo needs to run it back, I I think Jacobs needs an opponent. I'm not sure if the Triple G thing is is all the way that solid. Um, It looks like Triple G, the best thing for him is to go, let's just be real, to go to the zone. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the fight's going to matriculate in September against Canelo. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's still a lot. A lot, yeah, a lot of shit in the air. So, Bivol's in a good spot. Go out there, showcase yourself, and those, those big fights are on the horizon, at least. Um, MMA world, we had Conor McGregor saying no to Cowboy Cerrone fight. And reports are because they offered him a co-main. And then who the fuck does this? Like, this is my <laughs> of the week. Like, come on, man. Like, listen, I know Conor's not the champ. Like, I know. I know he's not the champ. But he's the biggest draw in MMA. In combat sports. Yeah. Okay. Not just MMA. Biggest draw in if, combat If he sports. went to WWE tomorrow, he'd headline Mania and sell. It'd be fucking nuts. I mean, yeah. I mean, between Conor and Canelo, those are your two biggest draws. But the bottom line. Bigger pay-per-view numbers than Canelo. Yeah. The bottom line is, why the fuck would Conor McGregor be in anybody's co-main event? <laughs> Giving them pay-per-view points. Yeah, like, come on, man. Like, all the champions in the UFC would beg to be on the Conor McGregor card because they know they're getting paid to eat off of Conor McGregor. Yep. So, yeah. Like, Cowboys, like, I'll fight anywhere. Of course you will because you don't really have a choice. Conor McGregor, I'm watching him do a proper 12 whiskey commercials. He, if he's not in the main event, he ain't really trying to fight. Like, if you look at his Twitter, he keeps saying, like, I do it for fun. But he's not doing it to not get paid. Yeah. So, come on, guys. And that's true. Honest to God, proper 12 probably makes Conor McGregor a billionaire here soon. Yeah. So, he's not he's not concerned with that. Like, come on. No. So, it's that he's fine money-wise. But just don't disrespect the man. It's, it's, just, totally it's just placement on the card is disrespectful. And I understand what they're probably going for. Fight week here in Vegas and main event Cormier versus Lesnar. I get right. it. But you don't but, need Cormier, Lesnar, and Connor. What you, and I'm a king. I, I love stacking cards. You always argue against it. I love that shit. This one makes no sense. No. Connor needs a headline. I don't care. Like, you can, like, I, it feels disrespectful to put a title fight before Connor, but this is what you. DC create. wouldn't complain. Nah, he wouldn't complain. He wouldn't give a shit. And fuck whatever Brock cares about. Like, Brock's not even, like, the thing is, Brock's not even freaking ranked, and he's getting a shot against DC. So it's not even, like, a real title fight to begin with. It's a special attraction. We have two special attraction fights. There you go. Yeah, I'm with it. That shit could be a co-man for the heavyweight title. Um, UFC 235 did just happen. We're in the building, side by side, uh, mm-hmm. watching these fights. I thought it was a good card. The co-main and main were weird, because they were just dominant. No, they just ran, fights. Like, the, the car was progressing pretty nicely, and then we got to the, the co-main event, which was fine because Usman's dominance, and I, I had to go through, like, I was trying to figure out if there was ever a champion who got dominated the way that Willie got dominated by Usman. And the only person I could think of was Dos Anjos kind of railroading Anthony Pettis. But this might have been worse than that. Like, Oh, Usman, by the way, on our first show, we previewed Dos Anjos versus Anthony Pettis, and Big Mac called Pettis the future of the lighter weights in the UFC, well, which it looked like at the time, and they got railroaded. Yeah. Boy, he got steamrolled. But, <laughs> man, like, Usman came out there, and and I said it. I, like, I kept saying it, that Usman was Woodley three years ago, but he was hungrier, and that's really all it was. He was hungrier, and I, I'm not even going to say that Woodley wasn't prepared. I just don't think that Woodley, like, Woodley kept looking for the perfect shot. 
and he just couldn't get it. Usman fought the perfect fight. He stayed in his face for five rounds. He didn't give him any room to throw that counter. And, I mean, he just pressed him. Willie, you can't win going backwards. We got a new champ. Uh, shit just got interesting because now we got Usman versus Colby Covington, which the UFC is absolutely cashing in on this because those two were about to fight in the buffet line at the Palms. Yeah. <laughs> which is crazy. Like, Covington and all his antics, I don't believe one bit that he was pissed at Dana White and all this stuff because, honestly, you look at it, Dana White did him a favor. He didn't have to run through Woodley and Usman or he just got to fight one of them. I think both of them knock his damn block off. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to this brawl at the Palms Buffet for a minute. What the hell y'all doing at the Palms Buffet? It's not even the best buffet in Las Vegas. No, it's renovated, you know. I don't care. It's not bad now. They, they renovated the whole place. No, you go to the Aria, man. Look, look, I'm a, I'm a buffet guy, too. <laughs> Brunch your buffets. <laughs> That's what Andreas does. <laughs> what y'all doing? Beefing at the Palms Buffet. Like, oh, man. Anyway. But yeah, you're right. Colby Covington. Um, that's a Fertitta property. That shit is free, nine to nine. But listen, look, but on the Colby Covington thing, it's like he manipulated the system. He didn't have to fight Tyron Woodley. He back, he got out of it. And he's still going to get a title fight against a guy who I think is a better fight for him than Woodley would have been. Personally, I think Woodley would have destroyed him. Yes, is a little bit more competitive. I still think Usman wins, but I think Woodley would have destroyed Colby destroyed him. Kobe's in a good spot. Whatever. Yeah, I don't think he wins. If Kobe Covington wins that fight, though, oh, buddy. Yeah. Shit is going to hit the fan. But no, Woodley was dominated. Um, ben Askren pulls off a comeback victory over Robbie Lawler, which every time I watch this shit, I have a different opinion. Robbie's arm goes limp, and then it's checked, and then it's amazingly not limp anymore. No, I mean... I don't fucking know. It's I thought tough. he was out. Cage side, I thought he was out because the arm drops. But then when Herb checked, the arm was you know steady and giving the thumbs up. I, I don't know which one is which. I think Herb D made a bad call, first. Um, it's a bulldog headlock. It's not your typical submission. Um, but I think it's a forgivable bad call. I think if Herb would have just looked two seconds longer, he would have noticed that Robbie gave him the thumbs up. Like that's all. He, all you really need to do is look. But I know you're out here to protect the fighter. So this is one of those things where I'm looking at, where it's a bad call, but I'm like, it's not the worst call. Like, and on the flip side of it, I know people are saying, well, you should have gave Robbie the same leeway you gave Ben Askren because Ben Askren was getting his head punched in after he got Olympic slammed. Um, <laughs> the perfect technique. And 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 now Askren's like, I don't want to fight Robbie because Askren didn't want to fight him in the first place, but. It, it sucks, man. It, like it, it Askren sucks. Till is the fight to make. Askren wants to fight the winner of Till Masvidal. As you know, what Askren is doing right now. Askren is saying, if I fight Robbie and I beat him again, it does nothing for me. Yep. If I beat the winner of Masvidal Till, I want Covington or Usman. That's exactly what Askren's doing. He's trying to go up that ladder as quickly as possible. There's no reason for him to do a rematch. Because the truth of the matter is, if he does do the rematch, we're all going to forget about it. Yeah. And we'll but move on. You look at a guy like Wonderboy who's facing Pettis, which has no bearings on the division. But if he looks great and you have a new champion that's not Woodley, why wouldn't you run it back? Why, why wouldn't you give him the shot? Because Askren's undefeated. Okay. Askren's the former champion of two different company promotions, Bellator and one. 
and Askren were to beat Till Masvidal, and and he has a legit feud with Usman. I he'll he he has a feud with Covington. He, they were beefing backstage. That's the fight to make. Like Askren never had a crack at the title. So as much as I love Wonder Boy, and I said back in our early episode, I think Wonder Boy was going to be undeniably a champion, which hasn't happened yet. I'm totally fine with him not getting a title shot, and it goes to Askren. Okay, and then uh, Cody Garbrandt being Cody Garbrandt and not knowing how to cover up when he's rocked, and he gets fucked up by Pedro Munoz. I, dude, I said it on Twitter. You got you got to leave Team Alpha Male. You have to. Like, it doesn't play to your strengths. Kobe, I mean Kobe Cummings. Cody Garbrandt is a boxer with great hands. He's not yeah. a wrestler. He's never put his wrestling on display. Team Alpha Male is a bunch of wrestlers. The irony of all this is he should be joining Dillashaw with Bang Ludwig to work on his striking, to work on not losing his shit when he gets hurt and just swinging like a wild man. Because if he tightens up his striking and if he stays composed like he did against Dominic Cruz, he beats damn near anybody in the division. I mean, shit, he can go with Woodley and, and Pettis. But, and I go mean, up there and learn some hand. You know, go to uh, New Mexico and, and train with John. There, there's plenty of other places if he doesn't want to go with TJ. <laughs> that, that's saying, a hard sell. I'm just saying because, yeah, you can go to Winkle John. You, like, you can go to Wink, Wink over there in New Mexico. They got great striking. But I'm just saying, like, the irony of it is the man who beats you knows how to compose himself. TJ Dillashaw knew he got rocked. Oh, yeah. Both and fights. he stayed in the pocket both both fights and put you out. So mm-hmm. it's like, bury the hatchet, dude. Like, alpha male ain't it for you. It just ain't. And it, the other part of it is a mental thing. Like, stop getting hurt and then just swinging. You are a better boxer. Yep. Like, what are you doing? Cover up, recover, move your feet, get your wits about you. Like, once the, who's the last champion that you can remember that rose and fall this quick? Mm. I mean, are we Ronda excluded? Nah, because Ronda at least held the title for a while. Like, Dominic, I mean, Cody Garbrandt raced up the Bantamweight ladder, beat Dominic Cruz, and now has lost three straight. Yeah, that's fucking All about knockout. I mean, that's, yeah, not not that quick. I mean, you look at a guy like Pettis when it went and went. We've seen people when they've lost it and they've lost it. Like, boom, overnight, gone. But at least they had like some sustained success before then. Yeah, they, I mean, at least you know Pettis had a title defense. Garbrandt yeah. didn't have a title defense. Garbrandt um, won big the rig, title. maybe. Nah. Who did I mean, Big Rig defend against? But well, the thing, like he he fought Robbie Lawler, right? In two times. Yeah. The thing about arguably, Garbrandt, possibly won the first one. The, but that's the thing. There is a possible there. Yeah. Cody Garbrandt went in there and got mopped. Three straight times. Dillashaw, Dillashaw, Munoz. Yeah. After winning the title against one of the greatest bandwaits of all time, he turned the corner and got knocked out three straight times. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, three knockouts, too. Three knockouts? Barely, it, neither went more than two rounds. That's what I'm saying. You were the champ. You were the champ. You were the future of the bandwaits division. People were like, you started wearing Gucci and all that other shit. Like, you thought you had it made, and now you've lost Three in a row by knockout. No, Big Rig was exactly the same, man. So Big Rig beat Robbie Lawler for the belt. Didn't have a title defense. Robbie came back and won it. Beat him for the belt at 181. Big Rig beat Matt Brown and then lost three straight. 
But that's that's. But that, again, five out of six after that, he hit no, the wall, I, yo. Like, no, that's, no, no, no. That's like, very similar. We know it's not, but it's not the same. The, and again, Hendricks went in there. He didn't race up the ladder. He beat a bunch of people to get there. Then he fought GSP in a fight that a lot of people thought he won, but he okay. lost. Yeah. Then he won the title against Lawler. Then he lost a split decision. He didn't get knocked out. No. Yeah. Then he beat Matt Brown. Then he lost to, to Thompson by knockout, and then it was like Gastelum and Neil Magny Magny. And, But those yeah. were decisions. Garbrandt got washed three straight times by knockout. I've never seen anything like that. A guy who was undefeated, undefeated, beat Dominic Cruz, and he lost his next three fights by knockout. That's like, I don't even know who to compare it to. I, Tommy Morrison? Like, I can't figure out a person who ran up the ladder claimed the title against one of the greatest bantamweights of all time, and then got washed three straight fights. Not yeah. even a decision. Just got smoked. That shit is crazy. No, you're right. It, it doesn't happen often. He has to change something. Yeah. That's that's clear. Something's not working, and something's got to change. And the main event, John Jones. I mean, come on, man. Just, <laughs> we, knew, we knew what we were getting into. Uh, the only thing that surprised me is that John Jones is dumb enough to one try to kick a man in the face while he's down, and then two to actually land a knee, and should have gotten himself disqualified and lost uh, his belt. I kept saying to man, I was like, "Stop being cute, just finish him. Stop being he, like he was trying to find a creative way to finish Anthony Smith because Anthony Smith is tough as nails." But dog, this was so stupid. But and if I was Anthony Smith, I would have laid there and said, "I can't continue." Took the belt and ran. Fuck chivalry. I'm not a gentleman. I'm taking this rematch paper. I mean, this would have been the equivalent of Montel Griffin and Roy Jones. Roy Jones knocked Montel Like, Roy Jones had a tough fight with Montel Griffin, but he was winning. He knocked not Montel Griffin down and hit him uh, while he was on a knee. Montel refused to get up, won the title, and gave Roy Jones his first loss by disqualification. In the rematch, a pissed-off Roy Jones went in there and annihilated Montel Griffin. <laughs> he got Smith a did- rematch, though. But I'm just saying, Anthony Smith didn't really want that smoke because there was no smoke social media back in that day. They would have killed Montel Griffin for, for taking that knee. Like, if Anthony Smith would have won the title, people would be like, yeah, but John Jones would have murdered him in the rematch. I don't know if it would have been worth it. Yeah. Now, he got to hit, you know, hard reset, go fight someone else. Try to recover. I mean, post-fight, it was crazy. He was like, yo, I just couldn't pull the trigger. I'm, everybody says the same thing against John Jones. Yeah. You want to know why? Because John Jones has an 84 inch reach. You can't. There's no entry point with John Jones. It's the hardest thing to deal with. Is how do you get inside? Yeah. Cormier was the most successful with uppercuts, and then maybe yeah. Gus that first fight. There's only one. There's only one person that I would like to see, and that's Rubble Johnson. But he weighs like 300 pounds of muscle. <laughs> right. Rubble's a D lineman. He's huge, but it looks like John Jones will be fighting Tiago Santos next. Ugh. Wow. Um, but uh, you know what? I get it why Dana White's kind of excited for this fight. It's because Tiago Santos is a guy who's just going to come forward and just not give a shit. So that's, those are the only guys who are going to ever beat John Jones is somebody who doesn't, who fights. You have to fight John Jones. You yeah. cannot sit in there and be strategic and try to figure out entry points. You just got to say, fuck this. I'm going to die or I'm going to fight. And you just go in there and you fight. And Tiago Santos is the type of guy that does that. I hope to land the lucky one. My man has Thor's hammer on his chest. He's coming to fight, right? <laughs> like that's, that's all there is to it, and I get it. So Dana White looks at that and says, look, that's a fight I'd like to see. 
I'd like to see John deal with somebody who's going to fight him. Because anybody who tries to do the mixed martial arts thing with John Jones is going to lose. No, yeah. You can't, can't have a chess match against that guy. Absolutely not. Um, this weekend, real quick, only one fight to really touch on. UFC Wichita. That's uh, coincidentally where my mom's husband's from. Ain't shit else in Wichita. Nothing. I've driven through when I lived in Kansas. Uh, Derek Lewis versus Junior Dos Santos. Good uh, fucking fight. Uh, Lewis, five rounds, scares the fuck out of me. Cardio-wise. Yeah, it's, it's, it, all JDS has to do is stay upright and outbox him. Keep his distance. Yep. That's it. He wins the fight. I think so. Uh, Derek Lewis wins by knockout, though. No, nah, I'm not picking Derek Lewis to win. I can see it happening. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Of course. I just, everyone can see it. I mean, it's the black yeah. beast. But I just think if Dos Santos uses his boxing and kicks, Lewis will be gassed by the third or fourth round. He just has to stay upright. Just don't do the dumb thing and try to mix it up with him late in the fight. Because those hands remain heavy, no matter how tired he is. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, I mean, so you got JDS, I got Derek Lewis, man. That's our show for this week, though. We ran through so much. Uh, it seemed like you got a little bit more excited about episode 200 as we went along. We'll see, you know, I'll see you another four years, you know, another 200 episodes. Can't be bad. Nice. <laughs> it's the first nice. of, of many 200s. Uh, I know you're an old man. Listen, man, you ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. If you're on TV and shit, don't forget the little people. Outside of that, man, we want to thank you guys for getting us to 200. Uh, As fans, as Corner Club, as this weekend doing a fan appreciation show for all the Patreon members. You guys are the best uh, Corner Club OGs over there. You know, not beloved for you guys. It's amazing to get to 200, pushing on four years. A lot of crazy shit has happened. So, for me and Dre, we definitely thank you. Um, his goal, my goal, no goddamn Mikel moments for the next 100 shows. I started I started off well. Uh, one show down, 99 to go. And Dre is going to try to be less grumpy. No, I'm not. <laughs> All right. He's going to continue to be an old curmudgeon. But that's yeah. why you guys tune in. So uh, make sure you guys keep following us on social media at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Like I said, we have the Patreon, The Corner Podcast on there. Uh, follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andres Hell on all platforms. A lot of big things still coming up. 2019 is going to be bigger and better than every other year. And hopefully uh, show 201 is better than all the other shows we've had as well as we continue to grow. Hope to see all you guys in New York for WrestleMania weekend. That's going to be fun. But for now, we're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.